Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. So um, from one of my previous podcasts, I made the comment about the fact that I joined management consulting when I was very young. I was late 21, getting on 22, and I was always the youngest analyst, the youngest associate, the youngest engagement manager, one of the youngest principals and so on. And someone asked the question, how do you manage your, how do you, how do you, deal with ageism when people look at you and they automatically assume that because you are so young it they you know they either don't want to give you the time of day or they treat you differently so i will address that in this podcast it's quite an interesting podcast and i've enjoyed thinking through what i would say here and i haven't you know when i do podcasts i don't actually write down something I'm going to read up, I just jot down five points that I want to make. So I think the first one is to define the psyche of a young person versus an older person. Or you could say the psyche of someone new to management consulting versus someone um, who is more experienced in management consulting. But let's, let's use the first example. Someone really young just join management consulting versus someone older. Now, when you are really young in anything you do, you have no experience. At least you don't have the experience that the client may find particularly valuable. So what happens if you don't have that experience, you are ultimately forced to rely on a small cluster of attributes that you have around your education. So when you meet a client for the first time, when you're a business analyst or a new associate, really all you can tell the client is, I went to, I don't know, the Yale School of Management, Harvard Business School, I went to Brown for my undergraduate, and I scored a 3.9 on my GPA. That's the only attribute you have to build your credibility. So when you're a young person, you use those few attributes to try to build your credibility. I'm not saying all young people do it, but I would say 95% of young people do that because that's all the things you could put on the table to show the value you bring to a client or to peers and so on. Now, the reality is that 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 lack of experience and that need to have something else to share your credibility, which is invariably your education and maybe where you served your internship and your GPA and whatever awards you won, has been taken to, a, I think, a perverse level. What I mean by that is that there are thousands of people all over the world that are falling them falling over themselves to get in to an outstanding business school or educational institution just so that they can say hey I went to Harvard or Stanford and they hope that the mere fact that they went there gives them the credibility they need and and to be honest I see that a lot of times whereby someone can say all the right things but when you dig deep and probe deeper they don't really know what they're talking about now as a young person let's just get back to the topic that is all you have I went to this school I did this, that's about it. Now, compared to a senior person, someone older obviously has the experience to rely on. They don't have to have finished first in their class, but they can talk in a lot more detail and with a lot more credibility about something they've led of consequence and of significance and of relevance to the topic at hand. You know, you can have a senior executive there talking about how he led the turnaround of a division. And he may not have been the smartest guy in the room, but his experience gives him credibility. So what happens is that 
your your nameplate attributes where you went to school how you graduated what kind of scholar you were and what was your gpa has a very short half-life in management consulting i'll say the half-life lasts about two weeks into a project two weeks into a project no matter how brilliant you were at university your true skills are going to show through now what does this mean for being young well what it means for being young is that you are going to make a very tragic mistake in your life if you are young and you build your entire eminence or your entire net worth as a person intellectual net worth that is based on where you went to school and how you graduate because frankly no one really cares yes it is a great honor to graduate as the Gerald Erb scholar or the Baker scholar but let me tell you something there's a couple of hundred of them graduating every year and over the life of those schools there's quite a few of them graduating now my point I'm trying to make here is that your accomplishments mean something but here's the important thing if you are someone who defines yourself only by your academic achievements you automatically act young and as someone who is senior like myself or so, an executive who knows this behavior sees you defining yourself by your academic achievements even though you think you're not acting young they bucket you or they they put you into that bucket called the young person so the first thing you have to do is you've got to accelerate the half-life of your academic credentials and not use that as the main way of defining yourself. You know, it's a very simple way to see this, right? I remember once I was in the London office and um, we had you know, all these new eyes, you know, come in and we had to sitting around a table and they wanted me to talk to them about the mining industry. Yeah, you know, why not? You know, everyone wants to know about the mining industry, one of the most you know, exciting industries in the world. You know, obviously not. So, so we go around the table and everyone introduces themselves and, and you can see who's young there. Oh, my name is Jane. I graduated from the London School of Economics where I studied economics and I graduated first in my class. Oh, my name is Edward and I went to um, Princeton where I studied uh, whatever you study at Princeton and I graduated as XY head scholar. My name is um, Joshua. I went to Cambridge where I read history and I was captain of the rowing team. And then someone stands up and says, you know, my name is Emily. I grew up in, I don't know, Indonesia. And, uh, you know, the, my background story is so-and-so. And, you know, the reason I came to um, the firm is because I'm really interested in thinking of ways to solve X, Y, Z. I don't have the answers, but I'm hoping to be, ex you know, exposed to that. Uh, you know, when you hear someone give an introduction like that, you know, a bell goes up in your head, ding, ding, ding. This is someone who is young by age, but she doesn't see herself that way. She doesn't define herself by academic credentials. She, she sees that she has other deeper skills. So even though she is probably equal age or maybe even younger in this situation, you don't treat her like she's a young person. So the point I'm trying to make here is that people are going to treat you based on the way you've prepped them to treat you. And when you define yourself only by your academic qualifications, which are impressive, but really, you know, let it go at a certain point, they will treat you like you're young. So, so I think it's the first one. The second one is you've got to expedite that decay rate. Stop discussing your university or what it was like to work in the university, all the wonderful things that you did at your university. The people who do this well are the ones who tend to have been involved in other leadership activity and they can talk about those things beyond what they did at you know, Stanford and so on. And that's interesting to me, right? I don't want to hear about, oh, you know, I did this at school and then I think it will be useful. Come on, let's be honest. I mean, what you did at school is probably not that interesting. It's, it's not to be it's not to be diff it's not to be difficult. It's just a fact. 
just the first point about being young do not define yourself by your educational qualifications the other thing that young people tend to do is they tend to minimize their differences they always try to fit in they will never try to fit out go into any consulting firm in the world and any investment bank in the world and you can pick out the young people from a mile away they always are dressed in suits they always have this standard slim fit shirt unless you're fat in which case slim fit is not going to look very good but you get the point they're always wearing suits for females either suit skirts or long suits they're all men is you know standard attire so what does that tell you young people don't try to extend ex they don't try to ex they don't try to extend their differences they try to minimize it one of the tricks we teach our young people especially women is not to dress like that i always tell women who are young wear um, wear dresses obviously very elegant dresses but wear dresses young women don't wear dresses young males always wear the same kind of suits all the time to fit in it you know, gets a little bit weary at a time i always tell uh, young males if you really want to you know stand out wear a three-piece suit i can assure you right now that there's no youngster in the world who's wearing a three-piece suit because he's afraid of standing out from the way his peers dress you don't want to you don't want to look different from them so you try to fit in with them so accentuate your differences right it's not just the way you dress it's the way you speak you know when 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 i was um with a firm i ran a program to help the minorities in the firm you know minorities and the you know um, gay lesbian or whatever you know transsexual group is called and it's not just about the way you dressed it's about the things you choose to discuss junior people always follow a conversation they never want to lead a conversation they, they just they're terrified of leading a conversation because they're afraid of putting out a topic there that a senior person is going to think is a waste of time and they end up looking like a waste of time so what happens is that junior people or people that end up looking young always lead a conversation and you can end up looking young if you're 30 years old as well so what they do is when you're young you don't have a lot to talk about about business so you can only talk about a few things and people are afraid of doing it so what the other thing you want to do is accentuate your differences if you for example grew up in Mumbai and all you know is Slumdog Millionaire in real time on high definition talk about that but talk about it in a sincere way and be able to extract the right kind of relevance topics to that conversation but don't minimize your differences young people or people who who are too you know they're still learning the ropes always minimize their differences they don't want to lead conversations they don't want to introduce topics they're afraid of looking bad and you don't want to minimize your differences you want to accentuate your differences now of course if you're a serial killer i would strongly encourage that you do minimize your differences and maybe you know while you're doing that go to a prison somewhere and recover but provided that you are not talking about something you know utterly ridiculous when it's in ridiculous you know something that is not related to the topic that would be ridiculous but provided you're talking about something that's interesting it can be different consultants are not machines we don't only discuss business all the time in fact when I'm in a project, generally, if I'm working with a team, pretty much by 7, 8 p.m., I'm pretty tired, right? And I, I'm not even going to be able to think that much about what's happening. And I would like to be in a team where we have a few characters who are going to be discussing topics unrelated to, you know, income statements, balance sheets, cash flow statements, cost curves, and so on. So accentuate your differences. Now, 
don't accentuate every difference because then you just look like someone who doesn't want to fit in and don't accentuate your difference at the expense of what the group wants to do if if the group has decided to do something don't just say oh i'm going to do something different and put everyone else behind just because you want to be different i would not recommend doing that but where you get an opportunity to discuss something and the topic is not for granted the addressing is not for granted be willing to talk about what interests you if you're sincere about it you have an interesting opinion people want to listen to it right the fourth point I want to make is that, and this is a very easy one, young people are always energetic. They look like they fell off a boat and swallowed energizer batteries. They volunteer for everything. You know, you can just see them in the office. They'll be volunteering for, I don't know, helping with an internal project, helping with recruitment. And that's how you can find a young person. Everything excites them. Nothing is negative. Everything's great. They really enjoyed everything. And that's absolutely nonsense. When someone tells me everything's good when I know nothing's good, I'm not going to listen to them after a while because I know I can't trust their opinion. So my first rule to you as a junior person is speak your mind. If you don't like something, if you do not agree with it, if you think it's a waste of time, it's okay to say that. But have a reason. As a firm, we're a growing organization. Every consulting firm is a growing organization. It needs to learn about different things. And one way to learn is to listen to the new people who have the freshest pair of eyes. So when I see a young consultant running around and eager to do everything, two things strike me. Firstly, is wasting or she's wasting her time because not everything is worthy of being done. And secondly, you know, how are they prioritizing this? What's important to them? I don't want to see you involved in every little internal activity it's not really going to help you so take that energy and put it onto a project rather than thinking you have to do everything that is done internally it's okay to say no you know i bet you that if you drew a graph of the ages of someone within a consulting firm and the number of internal initiatives they were involved in it would be inversely proportional to your age the older you are the less things you're involved in and the younger you are the more things you're involved in and it's not just a question of you know being told to do it because in most firms you're not told to do anything you know they'll ask you if you're going to do it they'll make you an offer and you have to you know jump up you don't have to show your value by doing unnecessary things i mean i'll say that again you don't have to show your value by doing unnecessary things if you think something is not important and it's not going to add a lot of value then you need to you know cull it out of your diary and bring your energy somewhere else. And, and there's a difference between energetic and being committed. Um, you don't have to be smiling with bleached teeth every day to convince me that you are committed to a cause. I know you committed a cause when you do whatever is required to get the job done, right? Energy levels, you know, they, they wane out pretty quickly. And when someone's always energetic at the beginning but never really gets things done, I'm not going to prefer them on a project i'd rather see someone who is a bit calmer a bit more you know um, reserved and is able to stay through the course rather than displaying high levels of energy now i've saved the last three for the end which is you know really not the consulting rules where they say start with the most important ones because i wanted to use the other four to set the context of how I've defined young, and I want to end off with these three. The first one of the last three, so we're in the fifth one overall here, yeah, is be wary of the jokes you make. Young people like to make jokes like, 
oh, we're going off because, you know, this is what young people do. Or, you know, oh, no, I, I like this lifestyle because I'm still young. Oh, yeah, you know, this is what I'm doing tonight because, you know, all my young friends are there. Well, as soon as you say you are young, firstly, insulting the other person by implying they are old, assuming they care about their age. But as soon as you start saying you are young and implying you are young or another person is old, you're automatically building a divide. And you want to be super careful of that. And unfortunately, we make a lot of jokes like that. We say things about ages and what we do. And I remember once when I was joining the firm, there was this partner who said, wow, I can't believe we hired someone who's only 21 years old. I still can't believe we hired someone who's only 21 years old. And he keep on saying it and saying it. Now, I could have stayed there and continued the conversation. And, you know, it's like a media. Once you comment on it, the, the, the media storm just grows and grows. But I'll just look at him and I'll nod my head and I'll continue doing what I'm doing. And eventually he stopped saying that. Now, the reason I wanted him to stop saying that is I wanted him to stop going around telling people that I'm the youngest person in the office because they start treating you like the, you're the youngest person in the office. And to be honest, you know, when I was young, I took a great pride in joining the office at such a young age. But it's not something to be proud of when people don't treat you with a lot of respect. So very quickly I learned that I needed to kill this conversation as fast as possible. First, of the big three points. Second of the big three points, sixth point overall, is I had a habit, not I had a habit, I have a disease, you could say, of never calling a senior person by their surname, or Mr., or whatever, doctor. I have never, ever addressed a senior person by anything other than their first name, which at times have baffled my project teams, baffled the partners and so on. Because, you know, they sometimes will be meeting a client and only the senior partner has this relationship. So he goes ahead and refers to the person by the first name. Everyone else, you know, refers to them by, you know, Mr., Mr., Mrs., or whatever. But I'll be the only guy there who'll say, you know what, George, this is what I was thinking. You know what, you know, whatever the executive's name. So that's the other way I've always been able to define myself by, again, doing things that other people, other young people would not do. And I would think that I've taken this to extremes at a time whereby I remember once being talked to by a manager who felt that I shouldn't be addressing this very senior executive by their first name because that's not how it's done in this country. But you know what? The executive and I had a pretty good relationship. I'm not saying I was his best friend in the world, but I certainly got a lot more access to him than the other consultants on the project. I wasn't very senior at that point. I think I was an associate or something like that. So addressing by first name, clever way of doing things. The other thing is just the mannerism in the way I address people. You know, sometimes, and, I, and I'm a bit of a chameleon in this way, so I'm generally quiet by nature, but if I want to be... Um, an extrovert, I can turn it on like like a flip of a switch, right? So sometimes I'd walk into a room, you know, I'd start talking to the person even before I got to their desk, which is not what junior people do, right? Junior people would come up, they'd stand in front, hope to get attention, and um, they would be terrified if they interrupted. So sometimes, I remember once I did this, I was working on a project for an energy company, and I was walking past the um, office for the chief legal officer, chief legal counsel, whatever they called. Pretty terrifying lady, I must admit, you know, she probably eats people for lunch. And I was walking past and she had, she was busy working at a desk and the secretary was not in there. 
So I just decided to knock on the door and ask her how she was and whether she had a good weekend. And she was an Indian lady, so you know, I knew vaguely that Diwali or something like that was being celebrated. So we had a nice chat. Those are not things junior people do. So I've always distinguished myself by doing that. Right. So, so don't make jokes about age. Refer to people on their first name or do things that close out the space that show that you're not afraid to control the situation. Now, there's another tactic I've followed, which I've become quite notorious for. The tactic is to deliberately make senior people wait for me or people wait for me. And, and let me just explain what I mean. I don't mean I make them wait at the airport or for meetings or anything like that. The most classic stunt I ever pulled to gauge how much respect I'm getting in a presentation. So let's assume I'm doing a presentation. I'm talking up there to the client, right? Now, I need to know whether they, they're following what I'm doing or whether they hate me or whether they're just ready to pull out their Blackberries. Obviously, this is before the iPhone era and you know, type away because they have no respect for me. So one of the common stunts I would do is that after I've gone through what I think is the most insightful or few most insightful parts of the presentation, I think that now that I've shown them the most insightful part of the presentation, I can see if they buy into what I'm saying or they don't buy. So what I'll do is I will walk around, because remember there's a big boardroom and there's a presentation in the front, so I'm in the front. I will then start walking around. People don't do that when they like, they don't walk around the table and present. They, you know, you're expected to, you know, presentation technique says, oh, you've got to stand in the front, you've got to have your your legs slightly apart, like you're about to play ten, uh, golf or whatever it is. You mean to stand there, you mean to swivel around, make eye contact with everyone, keep an equal distance between the table and the presentation so that you're within ha open arm length of pointing out the things on your presentation. Screw that, right? I would, once I think I'm, I've got the audience's attention, I would walk around the table. I'd go and walk somewhere in the back and continue my presentation, right? And if the audience was still paying attention, if they were still following me and they still found it interesting, I'd think, hmm, I'm doing pretty well here. Then the ultimate test. The ultimate test is you go to the back while you are speaking and you pour yourself a glass of water. No one ever expects anyone to do that in a presentation unless you are super senior and super confident. And second, you know... If you can keep the attention of the audience when your back is to them because the water is in a is on a table at the back, so to pour the water you have to go to the back of the room, you have to face the water, which means your back is to the table, and you're still speaking. If you can keep the audience, just I mean make the audience wait for you. So they're pausing as you pour your water for like three seconds, and then they wait. That's the ultimate sign of whether you have the respect of the room, if they are willing to wait for you. Because if you don't have the respect of the room, someone's going to interrupt you, or someone's going to try to take over the presentation, or someone's going to make a comment or a joke, or whatever. And it's okay if they make jokes, but as long as they do not change the course of the presentation, right? That's one thing you can do. The other thing which I was notorious for is closing someone's space. If someone asked me a question, I'd go up right to them, and I'd address them directly. It does two things. Firstly, it intimidates the hell out of them. And secondly, you know, it shows that you're in charge. So, you know, managing space, closing space is very important. So, ageism is a it's a problem. I mean, I've had that problem my whole life. In fact, I was, I always have that problem, which I don't really understand because I have grey at this point in my life. So I don't understand why people treat me like I'm so young. But of course, I understand when I was in my twenties, early twenties, even when I was a principal in my late twenties, and you know, um, clients did treat me very young. You know, there was once a, you know a situation whereby. You know, a client made the comment, 
wow, we're they're actually bringing teenagers in now to serve us. I said, okay. I didn't make a big deal about it. I said, I just took off my stuff. I closed my lap. I closed my book. I used these moleskin books. I took my black putty, put it in my pocket, and I got up to leave. And he says, where are you going? He said, well, if you want, I can wait till I can wait another 15 years and come back. So, so again, this is a classic example of confronting and not confronting the situation. When someone makes a comment about being very young, most people will you know, laugh about it nervously, hoping the client's not going to kick you out. But this is a different way of handling it because it shows that you are not hiding it. You're not phased about it, but you can also make jokes about it. And uh, that client and I went on to have a very good relationship. But my point here is that you cannot hide this age issue. And really, if you to sum up everything I've told you, a lot of the reasons why people suffer from ageism is because they act like they are too young. It's not because the client's treating you badly or the team's treating you badly. It's because you are doing things that signals to people, hey, look at me. I'm the youngest one in the room with no experience. I just want to fit in. I'll do anything to fit in. So, you know, treat me very well. When you when you send those kind of signals to a group, um, you know, you're pretty much going to get yourself killed. And you you definitely don't want to do that. And the final point I'll make here is that, and I'm quite sincere about this, is that the biggest victims of ageism are the biggest perpetrators of ageism. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, I've seen situations where consultants will come to me and they'll be bawling their eyes out and tell me, Michael, you know, I've been treated like this, but I client, what do I do? My whole life is over. The clients give me no respect, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, and what are they doing to the young analyst? They're treating them exactly the same. And they don't realize they're doing it, right? So, you know, certain times I'm, I am sympathetic towards these consultants who are complaining about the fact that they're not getting respect. But I'm also losing a lot of respect for them when I see that they display that same negative behavior that has been perpetrated against them. So, you know, I stand by this. The victims of ageism are usually the biggest perpetrators. They just carry on doing the same thing. So it's not that people are against ageism. It's usually that they're against it happening to them, but they're happy to do it to everyone else. So ageism is never going to change, I think. I think it's always going to be an issue. But what you can do is do not define yourself by just your educational qualifications. Have the ability to have a very, very uh, articulate conversation so that you build your capabilities, presence, and you know, your, your credibility, not on the fact that you went to Yale or Harvard or Stanford or whatnot, whichever school you went to, but on the fact that you know what you are talking about. Because young people really know what they are talking about. I don't mean that in a negative sense, because you're not a consultant, right? You're still learning the ropes. But if you are willing to have an articulate conversation about a topic, and not just rely on the fact that, oh, hi, my name is XYZ and I went to this school, graduated this year, and I'm happy to join. If you can move away from that, you'll do fine. As always, I'll be more than happy to listen to any comments and respond to any questions.